Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, I tell the story of 27-year-old Helene Nikki Anderson and her four-year-old daughter, Adrienne Hale, who were found brutally murdered on January 30th, 1986, inside their home in Bremerton, Washington. The night before, Adrienne's dad, Kenny, had been at the apartment visiting. But when he returned the next evening, he found Nikki and his daughter dead. Nikki's eight-month-old son, Marcus, was inside, but was unharmed. But someone had strangled the mother and daughter to death, and Nikki was also beaten. Detectives quickly honed in on Kenny as a suspect. But 37 years after Nikki and Adrian's murder, their killer has not been caught. Who killed Nikki and Adrian? And why? This is Nikki and Adrian's story. It's been a while since I covered a story that has been as cold for as long as this story has. It's been 37 years since Nikki and her daughter Adrian were murdered, and whoever committed this crime has not been found. Justice delayed is justice denied, but there's always a possibility that a killer can be found. Just a couple of days before I recorded this episode, Unique Harris's killer was convicted 13 years after she disappeared. We covered her story in December 2021, and although Unique's body has never been found, the person who police and prosecutors say is responsible for murdering her has been found guilty. But it did take 13 years. And I know 37 years is way longer of a time for a case to go unsolved, but cases have been solved after decades of being cold. Even after all of this time, it's important to make sure that we keep these stories in the public eye. Helene Anderson was born on October 15, 1958, and grew up in Indiana. Those who knew her best called her by her nickname, Nikki. And although this case has been covered by several other shows, there isn't a lot of background information about Helene. Aside from her date of birth and where she grew up, we don't know much about her life in those early years or about her family. And so Nikki's story for us begins when she met Kenny Hale. Kenny was in the Navy, and so in order to be with him, Nikki made the decision to move from Indiana to Bremerton, Washington, where Kenny was being stationed. Now, Bremerton is a small city with a current population of about 38,000 and is located about an hour from Seattle. Bremerton is best known for having the most equipped Navy Yard in the United States. 
Now, moving all the way to Washington from Indiana had to have been a really big move for Nikki, who was in her early 20s at that point. And things aren't like they are now in terms of our ability to stay connected to people who are far away. But at the time, Nikki and Kenny were a young couple in love, and so she took the leap and moved to Bremerton. In 1981, Nikki found out that she was pregnant, and on November 9th of that year, she gave birth to a little girl that she named Adrian. Unfortunately, not long after Adrian's birth, the couple broke up. But according to Kenny, they were able to remain friends and had a healthy co-parenting relationship. And so despite their romantic relationship being over, Nikki stayed in Washington. In an interview with the Daily Beast, Kenny recalls how special Adrian was. Quote, she was a gift from God. You know, you hear stories about people far more advanced than their age, and Adrian was one of those individuals. Her smile and her little personality, just the way she conducted herself. Nikki settled into her new life as a mom and her life in Bremerton. Eventually, she met a man named Otha. Otha, like Kenny, was also in the Navy. And the two began dating, and things started to get serious. Nikki and Kenny continued to co-parent Adrian. And despite the fact that she had moved on, I didn't find anything that indicated that Kenny had a problem with it. It seemed like they had both moved on. Nikki had begun working at Arby's as a cook and lived in a duplex apartment on Magnolia Drive in Bremerton, where Kenny would spend a lot of time visiting his daughter. Everything seemed to be going well for Nikki. In 1984, she found out that she was pregnant again. And in the summer of 1985, she gave birth to a little boy that she named Marcus. Now, it's not clear when, but Nikki and Otha eventually got engaged. The now mother of two was getting ready for a whole new chapter of her life, marriage. And it was exciting. Like I said before, Nikki's now fiancé was in the Navy also, and after their son was born, he was reassigned to a naval base in San Diego. And so, once again, Nikki was planning to move so that she could be closer to her fiancé. At the beginning of 1986, Nikki, who was then 27, was preparing for her big move to San Diego. Her fiancé was already there, and so Nikki was getting things together so she could join him. By this time, Adrian was four, and baby Marcus was eight months old. According to neighbors and people who knew her, Nikki was living a pretty ordinary life on Magnolia Drive with her two children. She was a devoted mother who, according to them, didn't seem to have an enemy in the world. During the last week of January 1986, Nikki had spent that week packing and getting rid of things she didn't need. For those of you who have moved to a different state, you know how much is involved with that. And I'm sure having to do that with two little kids is even more challenging. And so I'm sure Nikki was busy during those last few weeks. January 29th, 1986, by all accounts, began as a normal day for Nikki and her children. She was getting closer to her move date and had been home that day. We don't know exactly what happened that day or who all came over to visit Nikki, but we do know that Pam, her next-door neighbor, had come over to visit her and the kids. And then later on, Kenny had come by to visit Adrian, which, like I said earlier, was something that he did regularly in those days. 
He stayed for a little while, and then, according to him, he left sometime between 8.30 and 9 p.m. to go back to his apartment. In an interview with Fox 13, while recalling the events of that night, he said that Adrian asked him if she could spend the night at his house, but Kenny said that because she had school the next day, he said no. He said that he thought about it for a minute, but he really hated waking up early, and so he told her not tonight. It's a decision that he would ultimately regret. Kenny said that when he left the apartment and got back in his car, he could see Adrian in the window waving goodbye. Little did he know that it would be the last time that he saw his daughter alive again. The next day, Kenny had plans to go back over to Nikki's apartment. And so at around 8 p.m. on January 30th, Kenny arrived back at the duplex to visit Adrian. Now, this is before cell phones, and apparently, Nikki didn't have a house phone at the time because it had been turned off. And so, Kenny had not spoken to her since he had left the night before. Now, based on their relationship, it seems like Nikki just knew that Kenny would drop by, and so there wasn't a conversation about it. Now, when Kenny first arrived at the apartment, he noticed that there were several notes from people that had stopped by Nikki's place that day. All of them had been trying to reach her, but she had not answered the door for them. Assuming that she wasn't home, they left notes on her door. She had several visitors that day, according to Fox 13, which included a friend and a coworker. One of those notes was from a furniture store where Nikki was planning to return some furniture prior to her move to San Diego. Kenny said that when he read the note, it said that she needed to get in contact with them or she would face legal consequences. Now, I'm assuming this must have been like a rent-a-center kind of thing since they were threatening legal action over unreturned furniture. And so Kenny also knocked on the door, but he didn't get an answer. And so he decided that he too would leave a note for her. He took the note from the furniture company and wrote on the back, letting Nikki know that he had been there and that she needed to contact the furniture store. As Kenny turned to go back to his car, nothing really seemed out of the ordinary. He just figured that Nikki and Adrian were not home. But as he went to get in his car, he heard a noise coming from the apartment and realized he was hearing the sounds of baby Marcus crying. Now, thinking this meant that they were home, Kenny went back to the door. And this time, he tried the doorknob and realized that the door was unlocked. As he attempted to open the door, there was something behind it blocking it. And so he had to force his way into the apartment. And when he did, he tripped over something. The apartment was pitch black. Kenny recalled in his interview with the Daily Beast that when he reached down, he felt his daughter's leg. And it was stiff. He said that he had never felt anything like that before in his entire life. At that point, Kenny went into a state of shock. He didn't know what had happened, but realizing that the apartment was still dark, he wasn't sure if there was someone else still there. And so he grabbed Marcus from his playpen and ran next door to the neighbors to call 911. He left Marcus with the neighbor and then went back to Nikki's apartment to see if he could figure out what was going on. 
Kenny said that when he went back and turned on the light, he found Nikki and Adrian on the floor in the living room. Kenny said that he immediately began giving Adrian CPR because he didn't know how long she had been there. And even though her body was stiff, in his state of shock, he thought he could save his daughter's life. Quote, I immediately just started giving Adrian CPR because I didn't know how long she'd been there. I'm blowing and seeing her chest kind of move, and I'm saying in my head, what happened, what happened, what happened, Kenny told the Daily Beast. The scene was horrific, and Kenny, as a father, was having his worst nightmare come true. When he left Nikki's home just 24 hours before, he didn't know that he would never see her or his daughter alive again. As police began to arrive at the crime scene, the brutality of these murders would come to light and leave everyone who knew and loved Nikki and Adrian in shock. What had happened to Nikki and Adrian? Who would want to kill her and Adrian and why? These questions would haunt their family, detectives, and the community for years to come. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In January 1986, 27-year-old Helene Nikki Anderson was living with her two children in Bremerton, Washington, preparing for a move to San Diego to be with her fiancé. But on January 30th, 1986, Nikki and her four-year-old daughter's bodies were found on the floor of her apartment. Her son Marcus, who was eight months old, was unharmed, but had been left for hours with his mother and sister's bodies. As police began to investigate this murder, they were able to narrow their focus. The question was, would they really be able to catch this killer? Police began arriving at Nikki's apartment around 9 p.m. that night, and the scene they found was chaotic. When they entered the apartment, they found Nikki and Adrian on the floor in the living room. Both victims had visible signs of strangulation due to the bruising around their necks. But Nikki had also been badly beaten. She had signs of blunt force trauma, and there were also signs that she had been sexually assaulted. There was also a significant amount of blood that was later determined to be Nikki's. Investigators discovered that she had been cut during the struggle and was bleeding. However, that injury was not life-threatening. Now, although the blood was not a result of the murder, it added to the gruesomeness of the scene. As police continued to process the scene, several things stood out. First, there had been no signs of forced entry, and Kenny had found the door unlocked when he arrived. There was also no sign that this was a robbery, since nothing was missing, and there were valuables in plain sight. And so police pretty quickly ruled out that robbery was a possibility, 
and determined that Nikki likely knew her killer and let him in. Friends and neighbors of hers said that she was a very careful person who kept her door locked and wouldn't open the door at night for just anyone. There were also things about the scene that they found strange, like the fact that the curtains had been pinned together and that there was a couch cushion inside the baby's playpen. Marcus also had blood on him, and so police theorized that the killer had moved Marcus from the couch to his playpen after he had murdered his mother and sister. Why, they had no idea. Now, while investigators at the scene looked for clues, Kenny was brought in for questioning. And at that point, he was the police's primary person of interest. He was not only the ex, he was also the last person they knew to have seen Nikki and Adrian alive. And he is also the person who found their bodies. In these situations, he would be the most likely suspect, and they would have to rule him out before they could move on. Quote, he was the suspect for sure at the beginning of this case, I would say for at least a month, one of the current detectives told the Daily Beast. Not only was he the ex, but detectives thought that perhaps Nikki's move to San Diego may have been a motive. Maybe Kenny was mad about the move, about possibly having to pay child support, and so instead, he murdered Nikki and Adrian. But Kenny said that he had no issues answering the detective's questions because he had nothing to do with what happened, and he wanted to find out who did and why. Kenny told the Daily Beast that he was eager to help because he thought that the police were going to help him. But he didn't realize at the time that they thought of him as a suspect. But according to him, things did begin to get worse, and they started to accuse him of committing the murders. Kenny said that he took the advice of his sister who told him to get a lawyer, which at first he was reluctant to do. However, as police began to turn up the heat, he realized how crucial having a lawyer was. Kenny had volunteered to even take a lie detector test, but he said halfway through, his lawyer ended it and told him that he wasn't in the right state of mind to take a lie detector test. Kenny said that when he left the police station that day, it would be 10 years before he ever heard from a detective regarding this case again. But while police were investigating Kenny, they also spoke to several other people, including Nikki's friend and neighbor, Pam, and the people who stopped by and left notes for her that day. Now, when police speak to Pam, who lived directly next door to Nikki, she said she never heard anything. She told them that she had visited with her earlier that day before and had assumed that Nikki had gone to work the next day. She did say that she could hear the baby crying, but she didn't think much of it because babies often cry. But she said she never heard anything that would cause her alarm. No screaming, no door slamming, or anything that she could remember. And she didn't even hear the baby crying until the following day. Now, one of the people who had left a note on Nikki's door that day was a man named Antoine, who she had been friends with. Now, Antoine came over to Nikki's apartment, and when she didn't answer the door, he knocked on Pam's door to see if she had seen or spoken to Nikki, which she hadn't. After speaking to Pam, according to the investigators, 
Antoine and a friend that was also with him began going around the neighborhood asking if anyone had seen Nikki. And when police learned about Antoine, they questioned him and his friend. It's not exactly clear what the exact nature of Nikki and Antoine's relationship was. I mean, he was obviously someone that she knew, but it's not clear whether they had ever dated or if they'd just always been friends. But nonetheless, police were never able to find any evidence to connect him to the murder. However, he was not ruled out as a suspect either. Back at the crime scene, Investigators had been able to collect DNA samples that they would be able to test, and so there was hope that they would be able to identify the killer. Now, it took about a month, but Kenny was ruled out as a suspect. Investigators had been able to verify his alibi, but the DNA found had not yet been tested, and unfortunately, most of the damage was already done, and Kenny would continue to live under a cloud of suspicion for decades to come. Now, you may be wondering, well, what about the fiancé, Otha? Well, according to investigators, he was 1,200 miles away in San Diego, and they were able to confirm his alibi with the NAMI. And so he, too, was ruled out as a suspect. The two men that were closest to Nikki were ultimately both ruled out as suspects. But other than trying to figure out who killed Nikki and Adrian, they also needed to figure out why. Why would someone brutally murder a mother and her four-year-old daughter? Now, although police were never able to determine who was killed first, their assumption was Nikki was attacked first and Adrian who had most likely been asleep, was awakened by the sounds of the struggle. Investigators believe that she came into the living room, saw the murderer, and then was killed so she couldn't be a witness. They believe that Marcus was spared because he was too young to be a witness. But Adrian being killed so she couldn't be a witness still did not explain why Nikki was killed. They believe that she had been sexually assaulted, but they don't know if that was the motive. In the months following the murders, police continued to follow leads, but eventually they dried up and the case went cold. Over the next two decades, the case was reopened three times, according to the Kitsap Sun. In 1993, 2003, and then in 2009. In 2009, DNA tested from the scene was able to finally rule out Kenny. It also ruled out Nikki's fiancé, who they were already sure had not committed the murders. Each time police re-examined the case, they were hopeful that they were close to solving it. But unfortunately, the case continued to remain unsolved. In 2010, the Kitsap Sun reported that a total of three men, aside from Kenny, had been investigated and they had all since left the state of Washington. One of the men was apparently a boyfriend of Adrian's aunt, who police said hid in a bedroom when they came to interview witnesses. The other man was a neighbor who they found out had babysat Adrian at one point. And the third person was a man whose car was seen in the area the night of the murders. But there was never enough evidence to point to any of them being a suspect. 
The DNA that they have tested over the years has not been a match to any of the men that were investigated or anyone else in the DNA database. Over the years, this case has been assigned to several different detectives, all of whom have been frustrated by the lack of information they could find about this case. One of the detectives even left a note when he was reassigned, begging the next detective to help find justice for this mother and daughter. In 2019, the case was again reassigned to a new detective who vowed to find the killer. He too spoke with the Daily Beast, and he said this about the DNA that had been collected. Quote, All the DNA that we've collected from people we interviewed early on, as well as a bunch of other folks along the way, none of it has led to anything that we think is involved with the crime. The police do have other DNA samples, but they're incomplete, and so they're unable to be ran through CODIS, which is a national database for DNA. Quote, We have DNA that we are not legally able to compare to the CODIS database, so we're forced to do one-on-one comparisons with it, the detective told the Daily Beast. He told Fox 13, quote, I could say in essence, we figured out who our bad guy is. We just don't know what his name is. And as of today, police are still waiting for that name. After 37 years, the people responsible for Nikki and Adrian's murder still have not been caught. In the years since the murder, Kenny, who lived with that cloud of suspicion for years, suffered under it. A lot of people, for a long time, believed that he was the one responsible And it took years for DNA to ultimately clear him as a suspect. Over the years, police have investigated several people, tested DNA, and pleaded with the public for information. But this case is still unsolved. The brutal murder of a mother and her daughter is deeply unsettling. And it's a heartbreaking story that is hard to hear and hard to tell. Its significance lies not only in the tragic loss of innocent lives, but also in the fact that no one has been held accountable. Despite the passing of 37 long and agonizing years, the quest for justice has remained unyielding and has left a profound sense of injustice on those who were most affected. What happened to Nikki and Adrian has etched itself into the memory of those who knew them and those who investigated their murder. And it's a haunting reminder of the fragility of life and the depths of human cruelty. The details of their murder are chilling, and it paints a picture of the sheer brutality and disregard for human life that unfolded that fateful day. The pain experienced by their loved ones continues to reverberate through the years, and their grief is compounded by the fact that they have not gotten closure, and there's uncertainty around who was responsible. Detectives working the case need the public's help. They need someone to come forward. It's the missing piece that can finally lead to someone being arrested. And that's why, even after almost four decades, I wanted to tell their story. So that those who have never heard of Nikki and her daughter Adrian now know. There is someone out there that can bring an end to this case. 37 years is a long time, 
but it's not long enough for people to forget information about a murder. Helene Nikki Anderson and her daughter Adrienne Hale were found strangled to death on January 30th, 1986, inside her duplex apartment on the 400 block of Magnolia Drive in Bremerton, Washington. If you have any information about their murders, please contact the Bremerton Police Department. May Helene Nikki Anderson and Adrian Hale rest in peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a brand new story. In the meantime, make sure you follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.